father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, how are you again? This is Coach Kevin Furtado from the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 182 with Coach Eric Herrick. He's the head girls basketball coach at Dawson County High School in Dawsonville, Georgia. He's been a head coach for 16 years, 14 on the girls' side, 325-plus wins, six region championships, and three Final Fours. He played at Berry College and served four years and then the U.S. Air Force. Coach Herrick brings 16 years of head coaching experience with stops at Glasscock County Boys, White County Girls, Chattahoochee Girls, and North Forsyth Girls, and just recently as head boys coach at Dawson County High School. Following the recent retirement of longtime Dawson County basketball coach Steve Sweat, Eric Herrick has been announced as a new head coach of the Lady Tigers basketball team this past May. He spent the eight seasons in Cole Mountain where he guided the Lady Raiders to seven playoff appearances, including two quarterfinals and two semifinals, and played for seven region titles and winning three. In 2018, North Forsyth finished 26-5 and and won their second straight Region 6-7A championship. The Lady Raiders also made back-to-back Class 7A semifinal appearances in 2018 and 19. Overall, Herrick leaves North Forsyth with a 191-47 career record, seven playoff appearances, and three region titles. I'm so excited to be talking to Eric. Uh, so many great coaches in Georgia that I have interviewed. Uh, he's one of the best. Uh, he did a tremendous job really everywhere he's been. But at North Forsyth, he really built that program into one of the best in the state in the top classification. So Eric's going to share with you about what he is doing now to kind of rebuild Dawson County back into a state power and also going to talk about his offense and defensive philosophy that he's going to implement with his program. So let's welcome Eric Herrick.
coach, you there? Eric. I'm good, sir. How are you? Good, good. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Man. Great cover. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Um, hey, just tell me at any time if you can't, the audio and so forth. So sometimes we get uh, uh, kind of uh, distractions and so forth when in it. But you sound pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah. Sound, you too. Sounds good. Hey, um, hey, congratulations um, on the Dawson County girls basketball job. Uh, actually, I, I I didn't know until just recently, but uh, congratulations, man, taking over a great program. Yeah, yeah, uh, appreciate that. Uh, you know, I've been on the girls' side. You know, last year was the first time, first year at Coach Boys in 15 years. So uh, the girls' side is kind of where I've been, and, and uh, honestly, I missed it, man. I missed the relationships. I missed the coaches. The camaraderie, you know, it's it's uh, you know when you spend 15 years doing something and then then you're you're not doing it, you know. I miss really miss out just just you know with the coaches and the relationships I've built over the last 15 years. Yeah, absolutely, and it's funny how we coaches are because I I've always coached girls too, but I've also at some schools I've coached both girls and boys. So talk about being crazy. Wow, but um, it's uh. It's funny how we find our niche. Um, do you find coaching girls is just different? Or, um, like you said, um, you can establish some really great relationships coaching. You know, yeah, I think the relationship aspect of it, it even with the players, is, is different. Uh, you know, I kind of fell into coaching girls, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. ne you know, never planned on coaching girls and just happened on a job opportunity real early in my career and uh, just fell in love with it. And then, you know, after doing it for 15 years, I kind of started getting that itch on what, what's, what's the other side like. And then, so I wanted to give it a try. And uh, you know, I, I, I had a great year. I enjoyed every second of it. You know, the Dawson boys, we had a great season, uh, won a region championship, won 25 games. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just miss, I miss being, I, I, you know, I, I think uh, the past 15 years, like I said, I've, you know, tried to help grow the game on the girls' side. And I just feel like, you know, there's there's a ton of coaches already doing that on the boys' side, but we, but we need more of that on the girls' side. So it, I, I was very excited to get back on, on that side. Yes, and I interview, you know, some great coaches around the country and Georgia. Man, they are. I mean, Georgia has some great girls' basketball programs in the state, oh, don't there's we? there's no question. There's no question. Uh you know, you, you talk about, you know, Westlake, Buford, you know, you know, the private schools, Holy Innocence, Wesley and, you know, Hebron's on, on the rise. You know, there, there's uh, Lovejoy's been great lately. You know, Greg Brown up at Jefferson's got it going. Uh, North Forsyth, we were great for, for for a few, you know, several years. So, yeah, there's there's no question. There's great basketball on the girls side. Yeah, if I was a recruiter coach, I would spend most of my time in Georgia because I've spoken to so many. Uh, high school coaches and it's like why don't there are there more recruiters out here but um of course we're you know we're biased no right question. with what's going on in georgia um hey talk about your youth growing up kind of tell us a little bit about you i i think you grew up in gainesville well correct? you know i moved around a lot i uh you know i, I grew up actually uh, until i was about 13 years old i lived in in daytona beach florida and uh you okay. know dad wasn't really in the picture and uh you know, when I was 14, 13, my mom sent me to live with dad who actually lived in Hapeville. You know where Hapeville's at? Yeah, I do. Right yes, sir. At the airport. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, that's my first experience with basketball. I was always a football, uh, baseball kid up until then. But then I got to Hapeville and, and nobody played baseball or football. Everybody played basketball. So, you know, I started playing basketball, spent every afternoon, every evening at the Hapeville Rec Center. Uh, went to Paul D. West Middle School, went to Tri-Cities High School, ninth and 10th grade, uh, and then at 11th grade, moved to Gainesville. And, and uh, been in Gainesville pretty much ever since. Uh, you know, took a break, went in the military for four years in the Air Force. Uh, then I went back to college, went to Berry College and played uh, for Todd Brooks there, finished up there, got my degree. Uh, and then, you know, straight out of college, I got a head coaching job down in Glasscock County. Um, a lot of people aren't familiar with that, you know, down just south of Augusta and uh, did that for one year, won one game. We went one and 22, first win in, in their program. And, and it was like five or six years. So uh, definitely a learning experience. Probably worked harder that year than I ever have in my life. Uh, after that, went to uh, 
be Todd Cottrell's assistant at, which is, which is kind of funny, you know, because Todd Cottrell's now the boys coach at Dawson. He took my place. <laughs> okay, sure. So that yeah, the one yeah. year I, I've been an assistant, my career was for Todd Cottrell at White County. And, uh, you know, I did that for a year as a JV coach and his assistant. And then I, I, I fell into the girls job there at, at White County and then kind of just, you know, that was the next 15 years, White County, Chattahoochee, North Forsyth, uh, coaching girls. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I'm very familiar with Glasscock because they they're in our region, but not no longer in our oh, region. Wow. But we we play we play them every year. You were a small. I'm at Lake Oconee Academy. Okay. So, do you know Richard Moy? I do. Matter of fact, Richard's a great guy. Really, an excellent coach. Excellent coach. Uh, yes, sir. He is one of my best friends. We we have stayed in touch over the last 15 years. We we you know get on a call. You know, my wife always jokes about it because we'll we'll get on a call for an hour and a half, and it's just steady laughing. You know, we we have the best time. <laughs> uh, he's he sense of humor out of this world, but he's uh, you know, he's been a great friend of mine for for the past fifteen years, and uh, uh you know, I, I really enjoyed the, the year I spent because because of him. He was great to work with. Yeah, and I spoke to a great friend of mine as Pete Acock, and he was he was speaking very highly of you as well. Uh, Pete coached there mm-hmm. uh, at Glasscock. I think before Richard, I think. No, Pete actually came, I think, and replaced me as the boys coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Pete came in and replaced right. me as the boys coach. Uh, I mean, this is, we're probably talking 13, 14 years ago. Uh, Richard's been there a while. <laughs> I think Richard is actually uh, Coach Moyes in his last maybe year, either uh, this upcoming year. So he's going to retire. He's kind of He's got out of the coaching, though. He's, he hadn't coached in the last three or four years. I tell you, if I always say this about Glasscock because I have a lot of respect for them. If you could win, and, and Richard did on really both sides with the boys and girls, um, you're one heck of a coach because that is not – he had one year with his girls where he was very talented. Yeah. Um, that's a tough – so you really learn. I think that's important, right, Coach? Sometimes you need to go where there's very little talent to kind of really test your coaching skills, right? Uh, you know, and and I would I didn't have any coaching skills. It was my first head coaching job. I had I had played, <laughs> uh, but you know it's it, it's a tough you know it's a back especially then we didn't have huddles. So every 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 scout's a two hour <laughs> drive. You're riding the right. bus. You're driving the bus everywhere you go. You know, you, you like you said, you don't have. I think the first practice I had over the summer. I had six kids show, you know, show up and, and I walk in the gym and two of them are up in the stands with boots on punting the ball from one end to the other, trying to punt it into the basket. So, you know, <laughs> right. You know, there's no AC in that gym. It's 200 degrees during the summer. You, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a definitely a learning ground. Yeah, no doubt. Always, always reminds me of the Hoosier gym. Yeah, no question. <laughs> um, no question. Um, hey, Coach, tell me about uh, what have you learned? What have you learned since Glasscock? I know that when I first started coaching, I didn't know anything. Okay, and, and I, some people probably think I don't know anything now, but um, I know I've learned just through talking and learning from great coaches. What have you really learned since then that uh, you can kind of reflect on? You know, one of the things you know when I got there, you, you you know we had very little talent, very little size, very little athleticism. Uh, and, you know, so I thought, you know, we need to we need to play slow. We need to, you know, pack it in, you know, n- n- no way we're, were we going to get out and try to press. And I mean, we were scoring 10 points a game. So what I learned, what, if I reflect on it now, one thing I probably would have done is tried to pressure more because, you know, sure. only way you're sure. going to score is, is transition. So you got to you got to try to create some type of scoring opportunities for your kids because there, there's no way you're scoring in the half court. So probably would have tried to pressure more with that group. You know, it's funny you say that because you talk to a lot of coaches. You're right. I think we've all been there coach with teams that have inferior talent. I think people, I think coaches overall say, you know, we got to slow it down, slow the tempo with, but I talk to a lot of coaches who have built programs and really with not very good talent, boy, they're running, they're trying to gain possessions. So I think a lot of coaches are misled on that, on, how to, how to handle that situation. Yeah, no question. You know, the only way we were going to score is live ball turnovers, you know. So, you and you're not going to create a lot of those packing it in and pack line type type off, you know, defenses. So, we we probably needed to get out and press a little. And at the end of the day, what does it matter if you're losing, you know, 31 to 5 or, you know, 63 sure. to 40? 
you know, but, uh, you know, I think the kids will have a lot more fun and enjoy playing that style. Yeah, and you definitely have because that is your style that I know that you used at North Forsyth and so forth. So you learned your lesson well, didn't you? Um, what what are you uh, what are you trying to do now going from coaching the boys last year, now coaching the girls? You have an advantage in that you saw them practice and play, no right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know our what what we're good at. I know our strengths. I know our weaknesses. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Right now, our most important thing is getting the kids physically able to compete like we want them to. Uh, I think you know, weight room's probably not been a, a real priority. Uh, you know, conditioning. I don't know if it's been a, a huge priority. So you know, like we talk about with our kids, you know, over the summer until we get our bodies physically ready. And I know that as a player. You know, I when when I was out of shape, I couldn't play. You know, I, I, I wasn't an effective basketball player. So I think right now our focus, especially once the school year starts, is we, we got to get our bodies ready. Uh, they battled a lot of injuries last year. Uh, and and I, I attribute that to not being, you know, physically in the shape they needed to be able to compete every day. Our bodies right before we even start even focusing on the basketball aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, and Dawson has a great girls basketball tradition that I know of. Um, what is something? What are some of your goals for the program coming up? I, because you're not coming into a program that has been poor. You're coming into a program kind of getting it back started. Yeah, again, that's right? a, no question. You know, and, and this is a first for me. Uh, you know, when I walked into Chattahoochee, they, the the program was down. When I walked into Norfolk site, the program was down. So uh, you know, Coach Sweat, I have a ton of respect for him. He, he's done a great job at Dawson. Uh, but you know, our goal is just to build, you know, build a team first culture, uh, right now, you know, coming into a new program, I'm all about, we got to build relationships. I got to get to know these kids before I can coach them. And before I can, you know, I can establish our standards and our discipline and discipline these kids. I got, you know, we gotta, we, I gotta get to know them. I need them to get to know me. We need to get comfortable around each other, but you know, I'll be honest with you at the end of the day, the goal is always to win a region championship. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and give us kind of a sample of some of the kids, some of the kids that uh, are coming back for your program. Kind of give us a little sure. scatter report. Uh, starts with Kirkland Porter. Uh, she's an upcoming sophomore. Uh, this kid, I'm telling you, Coach, she, she's going to blow up. She shoots the heck out of it. She handles it. Uh, we got to change her mentality a little bit. You know, we she, she can't be deferring to others. She's got to she's got to be the alpha. Uh, you know, she's got to be the kid that walks in the gym and and, and knows I'm getting 30 tonight. Uh, great shooter, big guard, about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, handles it extremely mm -hmm. well. Uh, fundamentally, just she has it. She has it all. She just, you know, we just got to get her to be more aggressive. Uh, and, and you know, it, it, young kids like that, it's hard to get them to understand, hey, when I walk in the gym, I'm the best player out here. And, and, and she's got to really embrace that. Uh, we got a returning senior, Maddie Anglin, same type of player. Kid really shoots it. Uh, another guard, uh, you know, her and Kirkland will share the, the, the point guard, you know, spots uh, and shooting guard. Uh, Maddie shoots it extremely well, very aggressive. She does have that scores mentality. I mean, if, if she walks across half court, she thinks she she should pull it, which, you know, honestly, I, I love that about, about her. So uh, we're, we're not going to try to, you know, talk her out of that. We want her to be extremely aggressive. Uh we got a post kid coming back, Mariah Benson, another a kid that battled injuries last year, sat out the second half of the season, uh, started, you know, the first half of the season. And and that's one and, and I can tell the kid's been working on her body. She looks great. Uh, you know, just gotta get her a little more confidence around the post. She's about five eleven, six foot, uh, has aspirations of playing in college. She's a sponge, always has a big smile on her face, extremely coachable. Uh, so I love that about her. Uh, and then we got a, I'll be honest with you, we got a load of young freshmen coming up. Uh, two big kids that are about 6'1, 6'2. Got a big 5'10 uh, wing that's ultra athletic. Got a, a, a shooter in Abby Slayton that uh, handles the basketball and shoots it extremely well. Uh, there's there's a, a huge group of young ones coming up that, that I, I think are going to make a huge impact on our program. Yeah, it sounds like you have a, a great core right there, Coach. And when you have – it just seems to me Dawson has a lot of girls. I've always noticed they have a lot of girls, a good feeder program. Uh, why is that county 
so good in basketball. I'll, I'll tell you why. There's 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 a a woman up here that works tirelessly developing our young kids, and she's done it for years. I've witnessed it from from just being a on the outside of it. Her name's Christy Cregan. She coaches travel basketball in the community. She's constantly in the gym, whether it's our gym or Rock Creek or another gym. She she cares um, as much about our program as anybody in our county. And I, I really credit her for, for the youth development in our program. She has done a phenomenal job, tireless worker. Uh, she, you know, I, I, I'm so excited to be on the girl's side and know that I have that person uh, helping develop our feeder kids. That's huge right there. Right? I, I mean, and I know when you're at North Forsyth, and I'm, I'm familiar with North Forsyth because I coached at Pinecrest okay. Academy back in the old back in the old days but um i'm very familiar with the size of your school is it easier to develop a feeder program at maybe a smaller school than a 7a school uh yeah i think so i i, I think uh you know you, you i'll be honest with you north Forsyth, we we kind of had the same situation is we had a great great okay. guy in the community that was willing to take our kids from fifth grade and, and, and coach them all the way through travel ball till they got to high school and then even take them in travel ball when they got to high school. And, and that was Chad Jones who, who coaches the North Georgia magic. I think it's vital just to have a, a community guy that you can trust. And, and Chad was phenomenal. He, you know, he would watch us play. I didn't have to teach him our system. He would go out and learn it on his own. Uh, if he had questions, we would, we would talk basketball, but, uh, you know, just someone just as invested in our program as uh, as as I was. But uh, in Dawson, it's probably a, a little easier. Uh, you don't have as many sports. Uh, it's definitely a basketball community. Uh, I think uh, it, it, you look at the boys and girls side, there's, there's a great history of basketball. I think there's a great uh, enthusiasm for the sport in our in our county. So I, I think that definitely does help it. And you're you're one, you know, one school county. So. You know, you don't have the, the, you know, a lot of kids, you know, moving in and out and that kind of thing. And Eric, we all know in this state, in, in, in today's game, particularly in Atlanta and Georgia, the transfer portal is unbelievable. I mean, so you really got to watch where your kids are being influenced, right? I think it's a major problem we have. So I think Dawson's really a great fit, man. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I agree. Uh, you, like you said, the transfer portal's cra- going crazy. Uh, you know, I haven't, you know, I've lost a few here and there, but, you know, I've gained a few here and there. Uh, and it, I, I honestly think it just goes back to those relationships. You know, it, it, it's got to be real hard for a kid to transfer that I've known since fourth grade and I've been at every middle school game and I, they've been at every camp that I've ever done. And, and, and we know each other and we have a relationship, uh, you know, I, and I've had that, you know, when I was at Chattahoochee, I had the big time kids. I had the, you know, the state player of the year. I had the kid going to Georgia uh, and the, and you, you know, just the, the relationship on it. I'll give you an example. She will, you know, me and my wife are going to the beach tomorrow. She's coming to stay with my daughter. You know, and, and this is 10 years, 12 years after I coached her. You know, she goes on every family vacation with us. Uh, you know, she's I consider her my daughter and, and she, you know, we, we, we've had that relationship. So I never, you know, I slept easy at night knowing she wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I love the term that you use. And I totally agree with it. Uh, called living um, living trophies. I stole that. that that's um, not mine. That, that's Kevin, yeah, that's Kevin absolutely. Sutton's. I stole that from him because I thought it was just so great. Yeah, absolutely. And I love – actually, I, I, I remember listening to Kevin Sutton when he was talking about that. Um, I think that is so important. I have a former player of mine that now is my assistant coach. And um, just the pride that I have that one of my former players is, is joining me on my staff. So and then cool. that's – the, the kid I just was telling you about that played at Georgia, she uh, she came to uh, North Forsyth and w- was on my staff for the last three years. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, that That's a sign, Coach, to me that you are a program builder and you're building solid culture wherever you go. Now, if your kids are not coming back to you, then that's a different story. But it sounds like, man, you're really do- building a great job and you're going to build a great job at Dawson. Um, talk about – like what's going to be your style of play here? Because even though you've watched them play, are are you 
specifically trying to ru- run a certain type of defense and offense with the personnel that you have? Uh, you know, I, I'm a man-to-man defense coach. Uh, you know, I, I, we're, we'll, we'll play zone if we have to. I just – I don't like it. I don't like teaching it. I don't like watching it. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't think it matters what your personnel, what your, you know, athleticism, your size. I think you can guard people man-to-man. Uh, you know, we, we, we started something about five or six years ago and it's kind of been a trend lately in, in basketball is, uh, you know, just, we, we force everything to the sideline. We, we get you in the half court. We're going to pressure the basketball. We're going to show help, but we, we keep it on one side, you know, no middle, no paint, you know, no uncontested shots. Uh, we're going to trap you if you, if you drive it baseline. Uh, I think Texas tech really, uh, you know, it, it came to fruition when it, when, when they, they made it the deep run in the tournament a couple years ago uh but it's it's really been valuable for us you know it's it's easy you know i heard bob huggins speak years ago about shrinking the box you know you talk about offense what do you want spacing you want to spread the floor and make people guard one-on-one so defense you you want to do the opposite you want to shrink that box and if we could force you to the sideline and keep you on the sideline and we put five defenders on that side of the basketball court you know uh, kids, you know, kids to pass away, kids a skip pass away aren't going to hurt you. So you, I think you, you can recover to that stuff. So uh, aggressive on ball, you know, everybody else deep in their gaps. We will pressure. We will pressure. And, and but uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion, I think a lot of us have come to that conclusion, you're not going to beat the best teams on your schedule, and you're definitely not going to beat the best teams in the state pressing them, especially at Dawson County or at North Forsyth. So when it, when it right. comes to those, those teams, we're going to have to scheme a little bit. But, you know, day in, day out, especially if we're playing teams that I think we're better than, we definitely are going to press, pressure them and, and keep us out of the, you know, the possibility of an upset. Uh, but, you know, offensively, you know, I've been a dribble drive coach for the past, you know, 12, 13 years. I think it's just – here's the thing about the dribble drive. You can teach it in five minutes. And, and, and so what does that – what does that mean for your practices? Then you can spend your practices in skill development. Uh, so, you know, dribble drive to me is just basketball. Drive and kick, you know, catch and shoot, layups or threes, you know, really uh, don't take a lot of mid-range jump shots. Uh, offensively, we'll run sets for our best players because at the end of the day, you know, this isn't a, you know, equal opportunity. We want to get our best players the, the majority of our shots. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, simplicity is really the most important thing, particularly for girls basketball. Um, and talk about talk about each one of those, uh, the offense and defense really quick. Talk about uh, your defensive philosophy in a sense. Are you trying to – I know when you mentioned shrink the box, are you trying to deny ball reversal, keep it on one side? We're not denying ball reversal. We actually – in. I'd have to have a court diagram to show you each court these days has a, has a volleyball line. That's the, uh, on mm-hmm. the, the, the back line in your, in your volleyball line. We use that. We call it the goal line. We, we want to set our toes on that goal line and we're, we're going to deny ball reversal based on our defensive positioning. We're going to get up on your, on your, on your outside shoulder and force you down. We want to force everything down to this corner, down to the sideline. And we're not going to get out and deny that 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 reversal simply because I don't want to give up dribble penetration. But we're going to deny it with our body positioning, forcing you down towards the help, forcing you down towards the corner, and 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 really try to discourage that ball reversal just by having our body and our hands in the passing lane. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And are you trapping that that baseline? Because I I know we like to do that. Are you? rotating and trapping on that corner when they when they pick it up or you just it just you just kind of sticking them right there what are, you, what are you trying to do when the ball actually gets to the you know corner? one of the biggest uh misconceptions i think in basketball you know you hear coaches say don't give up the baseline and and i'll tell you nothing good happens on that baseline uh for from an offensive standpoint we want to trap you in the short corner uh we're gonna front the post so if, if you if you drive it short corner we're gonna trap with our post and our guard and, and those are easy rotations once you get there. You know, every trap, every press, doesn't matter if it's man-to-man, it's zone, whatever. You, what, you, what do you end up with? you got a trap, taking a pass back up the line, taking a pass down, and then you got one kid playing two. Uh, 
And so we're, we ideally, if we can get you deep corner and trap it, yeah, it's an easy rotation. Uh, if we can get you on the short corner and trap it, it's an easy rotation. I think one of the hardest things to prepare for is just oppor- what we call opportunity trapping. Uh, if, 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 if uh, you know, you, you turn your back and you dribble to the corner and, and we can chase you and trap you and, and our kids communicate it to where our other three defensive players know what's going on and they can jump those passing lanes. Uh, opportunity trapping is a, is a great thing because it's hard to scout because there's no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, I know when you, when you coached at North Forsyth, you had to go against the West Lakes teams that are ultra quick. How did you, you probably did a really good job of containing them, but man, where I think the difference is, particularly in state championship games and tournaments is rebounding. What do you do? to really master, get all your girls, you know, pursuing rebounds, blocking out against very athletic teams. You don't rebound, you don't play. It's simple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we stress it in every drill we do. It doesn't matter what it is. You finish possessions with a block out and a rebound. Uh, it's a mentality, you know. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, North Forsyth, when we played Westlake the first time in the Final Four, we had good size. We didn't have their size. But, we, we you know, we had six foot and six two. Uh, and we were a really good defensive team that year. We led 7A and then and least amount. And that two years in a row, we led 7A and least points given up. Uh, we were a really good defensive team, uh, but it's a mentality. It's a, you know, I want our kids to just embrace physicality. Uh, and, and that starts like going back to what I said in the weight room, you know, getting our bodies right. But we, we want to, we, we want to not only, you know, be physical we want to be the team that initiates the physicality you know i tell our kids every day basketball is a contact sport we want we want to be the ones to initiate that contact we want to we want to be as physical as we possibly can and you create that in practice you know habits you know as a coach anything you stress your teams are going to get better at and and rebounding and, and defending is 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 number one on our one and two on our priorities so if you're stressing it if you're talking about it if you're you know enforcing it uh, every single day, you know, it becomes a habit, you know, like we're working our kids now and it's not a habit. You know, I've played basketball my whole life and I hadn't played in 20 years, but I guarantee if a shot goes up, I know to put a body on somebody. So it, it, <laughs> it, sure. it it's a habit. And, and we're right now at Dawson, we're trying to build those habits. And coach talk about that because we're practicing as well. And actually I'm, you know, I'm hoping that the Georgia high school allows us to get some scrimmages in, uh, this July, um, but uh, we don't we don't know we don't know what's going to happen. But what are you doing in practice right now? Because we just been allowed to scrimmage against each other just recently. So what are you doing in practice to get your teams ready now? Which is a lot different than well. The past. Here's the crazy thing is you know the GHS that gave us the ball back the week before Dead Week, right? And, right. Uh, I had a little dinner get together with some family, a few family members. My niece test positive. It was here. So I okay. missed that whole week. I okay. can't go to practice for that entire week. So I didn't get right. our kids in the gym with a ball till this week. Uh, you know, honestly, fundamentals, you know, we've just been working on skill work fundamentals. Uh, you know, we, we've scrimmaged a little bit. We haven't really put in, you know, uh, our, our system. Uh, 75% of our practice right now is half court defense and shell drill. Uh, sure. I'm sure that doesn't sound exciting, but. You know, we got to be able to guard people. And, and I'm going from – Coach Sweat was phenomenal, but he, he was more of a zone coach, uh, not a lot of man-to-man. Uh, even, you know, in, in the in three-quarter court, full court, he was, he was a, he, a lot of zone pressing. And uh, I played against his teams, and they're, they're tough in their, their zone pressing and their, their uh, you know, half-court zone. But now we're trying to change to a, to a man-to-man, uh, you know, scheme. So we've been working a ton of, ton of you know – one-on-one, three-on-three shell, five-on-five shell, just defensive positioning. And honestly, nothing right now. Jump to the ball and, and help and recover is about all we've covered. Yeah, absolutely. And that's always tough. People, I don't think people realize when you go into a new coaching situation, and I have done that a few times, um, that you're basically, you know, if you're going in, you, got, you have to understand where the kids are coming from, right? Sure. Uh, but it's just a different style. It's not like anyone's better than the other. So what are you doing right now? Kind of, you already told me, you know, kind of what you're doing. Be specific on a particular drill you just worked on the other day that you guys got to get better on. Shell drill. I mean, or just, uh, uh, or uh, even in our half court, 
you know, scrimmage type stuff or full court scrimmage. Uh, their idea of pressuring the basketball in the half court, my idea is completely different. Uh, you know, I, I want to be in in their face, you know, tracing the ball with our hands, you know, contesting every pass, contesting every dribble on ball. And our kids think we're defending, you know, from four or five feet back. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> sure. it's just, you know, in, in the way we help, the way our, our we position our kids one pass away, we're so deep in help that it's okay to get beat. Our, our kids got to understand that if you're on ball, you're going to get beat. If if you're pressuring a heck of the basketball the way I want you to, it's going to happen. You're going to get beat. So, uh, you know, we just – the, the idea of, of on-ball pressure right now is is night and day from where I want them to be and where they're at. Yeah, and that's always a key. I, I think, you know, we, we mix up our defenses, but – Man, the, the on-ball pressure makes a tremendous defense, even when you're playing kind of a matchup zone. Um, hey, hey, Coach, talk about your offense. Give me kind of some specifics that you're trying to get your girls at Dawson better that because the dribble drive takes a lot. You got to be able to handle the ball with the right and left hand. You got to be aggressive finishing. Talk about what you're doing. Uh, you know, we're, we're it's a mentality again. Uh, you know, these kids, you know, I, I just – even my best players don't have that just attack mentality. Uh, you know, they think, you know, we had a, we had, we had some terminology at North Forsyth. Uh, when you put the ball on the floor, if, if, if you see a body in help side and you, 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 you jump, stop and kick If, if you see an arm, you break branches. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, you know, they got to have that mentality. Uh, uh, somebody putting their arm in the path or, or, or in the lane doesn't stop dribble penetration. That should be a big jump stop and just power through it and finish at the rim. Uh, getting to the getting to the lane on two feet, you know, with, with, with a dribble drive offense, you got to make two guard one. That's the that's the biggest, you know. Every dribble drive coach I talk to wants to know, well, how do you handle the switch? Well, if you're getting downhill, you don't have to worry about the switch. If you're running a weave, you have to worry about the switch. We don't want to run a weave. We 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 want to get downhill and have an attack mentality. Uh, and it, no matter who catches the basketball, as soon as you catch a basketball, your your mentality has to be go score. And, and if I get stopped by a body, then I'll kick. But otherwise, I'm trying to get to the rim and score. So uh, right now, you know, it's just also getting them to buy in that we want just layups and threes. You know, I've, I've coached, you know, I don't know, 18 years now, 17 years. And I probably had three kids in my life that uh, that I felt great about taking a mid-range jump shot. So, uh, you know, the analytics of it say it's not a great shot. You know, people argue that. Yeah, if you're a great player and a great shooter, any shot's a good shot for you. But for just the average player or the everyday player, we, we don't want them shooting mid-range jump shots. So just being able to, uh, you know, catch and shoot uh, quickly, you know, drive and kick, catch and shoot, uh, and, and have that attack mentality is, is where we're working on right now. Yeah, and that takes a while. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. It's not an easy skill for girls to catch and really be prepared to catch and really look to drive hard right into the gap. We always talk about driving the what we call the kill zone mm-hmm. right there at the elbow. Um, it sounds easy, Ben, but that takes a lot of work because girls don't do a great job on that first step, that explosion step. Uh, how, how are you teaching that? Uh, we're working a lot of drills. Uh, you know, Sam Allen does a great drill where, uh, you know, we call it butt ball. You got a, you got a kid with her back to you, put the ball on her back, and then you're, you're, 
starting at the top of the key, and then you're just trying to get downhill as quick as possible, really trying to cover ground with that first dribble. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, so we work on that. We work on, you know, just one-on-one, what we call one-on-one cutthroat, and that's where, you know, the kid rolls the ball out to the top of the key, and, and it's one-on-one from there, and you're attacking, trying to get downhill. Uh, you know, just and, – and also, we've had three practices, so we haven't went real <laughs> in-depth with it. Uh, yeah. You know, so so we, we definitely got a lot of work to do with that. It, it's It's a mentality. It's a mentality. You know, it's it's very rare when you get four kids on the perimeter that all catch and, and immediately have that mentality to attack. So, uh, you know, a lot of kids will try to catch and give it up quickly or, you know, kind of shy away or not want to go left or not. You know, the, the main thing is to be able to get downhill and when you're anticipating you're going to be stopped is getting to that big jump stop. And, and rim peaking, what, you know, a lot of I think a lot of people miss out on is you get downhill, get to a jump stop in the middle of the lane, and then you don't even look at the rim and, and the defense just hugs your hugs your wings. Uh, that 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 little catch and, and rim peak, you know, draws draws the defenders in a little more and you, you got your kickouts. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that that vision is so important. You see a lot of kids driving with their head down with poor vision. Um, can you set up your dribble drive with some false action, like hard cuts to kind of open up those gaps? Yeah, we actually will uh, sometimes uh, we'll just do a four out one in motion where we're just passing cut for, for the first, you know, 15 seconds, just fake motion. And, and then you kind of gets the defense to space out because if you're going down every possession and you're just, you know, trying to space them they're gonna sit and help especially if you've got a non-shooter on the floor sure. you know that kid that kid's gonna plant two feet in a lane and 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 really take away your dribble penetration so yeah we'll run some false just some dry uh you know what i call camp motion you know uh pass to the corner cut basket cut pass you know mm-hmm. opposite down screen and curl just just to get some movement get kids maybe honoring some cuts and honoring some movement and kind of try to space the floor a little more and then uh you know right into our motion or we'll just do uh same kind of thing, false motion. We'll 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 pass uh, pass and cut until it touches a post player. Once it touches a one of our, and we'll do that out of kind of a five out thing. Once it touches a post, then we're into a ball screen action, post dives, so, and, and it'll go into that short corner slot position, and we'll go into it from there. Yeah, I love that. Actually, actually, I love that when uh, with your post action. Um, do you? Um... Well, what's interesting is there's so many different facets that you can add to the dribble drive motion, don't you? I mean, you can add so many different things. Oh, yeah, no question. No question. You can, you know, we and a lot of times we just will do a, you know, five-on-one ball screen to, to get it going, uh, bring that post out, really space the floor. And, uh, you know, we, we get a ton of, of stuff out of that. And just all you're trying to do is create, you know, a, uh, a two-on-one situation or, you know, put the defense at a disadvantage where, where you know, they're scrambling a little bit and, and you can, you know, drive and kick for a wide open shot. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like you've worked with some some big players. I don't know why you just maybe you're just a coach that attracts a lot of uh, tall girls to your programs. But talk about how you utilize size, because I have a six two girl that's going to be a senior, pretty good player. I think she's better on more of the short corner and perimeter than I do with in the low post. What kind of tell me a little bit about your philosophy on building a post player? You, you know, honestly, I've I've had some a couple big kids, but I'll be honest with you in the in the in the fifteen years, whatever however many years I, I lose track, uh, I've only really had two legit post players that, that mm-hmm. were back to the basket kids. Uh, you know, we had a big kid at Chattahoochee ended up playing at UNC Charlotte and she, you know, her dad was an NBA player. Uh, she had the whole game. She could do it all. She could, she could score. She could step out and shoot it. Uh, you know, post, you know, post, uh, it's kind of my thing. You know, I was a post player in college, a very undersized post player, uh, at six, four, but you know, I, I love to work out with our post players. Uh, you know, we're, we're big every, and, and every kid on our team, you know, the first thing we do in practice every day, we have six different mic and drills, you know, just to work on, you know, finishing around the basket, that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, most post players coming in have no clue on space and angles, you know, post plays all about getting us getting space and an angle for your shot. So we work a lot on that, a uh, ton of Mike and drills, ton of mm-hmm. Mikhail drills. I do ball mm-hmm. handle with my post and, and I, I credit that to, I think I became a much better basketball player and, and uh, post player when my coaches quit just doing post drills and let me get involved in the guard drills and the ball handling drills. 
Uh, we work post moves, and we, we try to keep it real simple. Drop steps, hook shots, up and unders, uh, step throughs, you know, work on a lot of uh, pivots, work on a lot of, you know, just throwing off the backboard, catching high, keeping it high, and finishing. You know, because especially in the dribble drive, you're, that post a lot of times is short corner or opposite the basketball. So they're great opportunity when a, when a guard drives and misses a layup for them to pick that ball up off the backside and, you know, catch high, keep it high and score. Yeah, I love that. And I can tell you're old school because you added the McHale drills. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love that. I'm going, man, oh, yeah, McHale drills. I mean, no doubt. And people wonder. I'm not. I'm surprised that people don't utilize the McHale drills more. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing for getting kids just, you know, tapping off the backboard. You know, just you know, getting a little feel for the basketball, being able to finish. You know, uh, being able to tip basketballs in. Sure. Uh, it's it's the Mikeans also are one just a staple. I think every post kid should be doing those every day. Give me a sample because we do the Mike and drill too. You said six different Mikeans. We do four. Talk we about. Do, okay. We do three basic. We do just your normal Mikean, you know, inside foot shot off the glass. Mm-hmm. And then we do reverse Mikean. And then I do what we call wide angle, which is very similar to the first one, except you're not using the glass. You're shoot. You're going as wide as you possibly can and shooting basically a, a wide angle hook shot. And I think for us having undersized kids and undersized post players, you, you can't you can't shoot that ball from your ear against, you know, six one, six two. You got to be able to shoot it wide and, and 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 straight in. And then we do the same three with two balls. So it ends up being six different ones. Yeah, I love that. I, I do love the two ball mic and I think that really adds that skill level to those posts and be honest with we do it with all our players. I'm, I'm sure you do the same do thing. It. Yeah. We do it with every kid. You know, we, we <laughs> that's the first thing we do after, after our dynamic stretch and our warm up, we go straight in our mic and series, every kid. I love that. <laughs> Eric, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Um, what do you think about the shot clock being added in? I'm, um, I, I like it, but I don't love it because I do think that, the schools that don't have the talent need to have that extra weapon to hold the ball. But for me personally, we run and gun. So I, I actually like it. What's your opinion on the shot clock? You know, I'm kind of mixed on it. I, I, I think high school basketball is different. I, you know, I, I don't buy the argument that we need to prepare kids for the next level. Uh, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking two or three percent. We're going to change the sport for two or three percent of the you know population. Uh, I don't buy that argument. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, for, I would say teams I've coached, the shot clock's not going to come into play more than one or once or twice a year. But versus a team like Westlake, if you're telling me we have we can't dictate tempo and we have to shoot the ball every 35 seconds, you know, how how am I going to hold them to 50 points? Sure. Uh, we we played Cherokee High School a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I thought they were better than us, very comparable. You know, we lose to them 31 to 28. If we're if we're having to shoot it. You know, every 35 seconds, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it takes, you know, I, that part out of it. I don't I, I, I think on the girls side, one of the detracting things is you're going to see some tremendously lopsided scores because there, there are some teams that, that have such a huge gap in talent to some of the better teams. Uh, but from from a coaching standpoint, uh, you know, the more I think about it, the more excited I get. You know, I haven't used containment, you know, three-quarter court pressure in, in 10 years. Now now we're, we'll probably be a one-two-two team trying to put you in a short clock, shot clock situation every possession without having to really gamble and get out and, and run and jump you and, and, and force you into, you know, easy shots. So from a coaching standpoint, it definitely brings some strategy into it that I'm excited about. But at the end of the day, can I beat the best team on my schedule with, with, with a shot clock? I'm not sure. Yeah, you mentioned some great points. And I, I was talking to my team the other day because um, what we like to do, we get to the end of the game. If we're up by four to six points, uh, we're going to hold the ball. There's no <laughs> I mean, there's I mean, no I've and had now, free throw shooters in, yeah. in, the, in the past years. And, I mean, if we're up – here's the thing. If we're up 12, 14, or even eight, we're not going to attack a 2-3 zone. We're not going to attack – you're going to have to come out and guard us man-to-man. And, and, you know, we had a game I'll, – I'll give you a, a little reference point. We had a game about seven or eight years ago when I was at North with West Forsyth. And they had 6'5", you know, Jenna Stady, who 
was the Georgia player of the year that we couldn't guard. We had no answer for. Well, I had a big post kid who picks up four fouls to start of the fourth quarter. Uh, so I have no kid on my team that can guard her. We sat at half court with the ball for four and a half minutes. Uh, at that four and a half minute point, we could get my post player back in and we could play basketball. But uh, you, you talk about with a shot clock, we don't win that basketball game. Yeah, it's so true. It's going to be a lot different, Coach. But, again, of course, now this year it's going to be, you know, it's, it's only – and I guess, tell me if I'm wrong, Coach, I think it's only in preseason tournaments. Is that correct? I think there's preseason tournaments and there's a couple – uh, invitational type, maybe the NACE or the Atlanta tip-off club thing or something like that where they're going to do it. But it's it's very selective. And then second year, I think it is up to the regions. Right. Third year, it's it, it, it's everybody. You know, I'm not I'm not against it. Here's my thing. If it's going to grow the game, uh, I'm open-minded. I, I'm, I'm down for anything that's going to help the game. Uh, I'm, I, I'll be the first to admit I was, uh, you know, that, that it, it helps the game after we see kind of how, how this plays out. Uh, if it's going to grow the game, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, and that's a big question, Mark. I, I love what you said. I love the transparency of what you said earlier was, yeah, it's going to help the West Lakes, you know, and the schools with tremendous talent, you know, uh, the McEacher and <laughs> schools like that. But is it going to help, you know, kind of the smaller level schools? And that's the, that's the question. But um We'll see. I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. Hey, talk about your practice planning. Give us kind of what does Coach Herrick do within his practice setting? Okay. Uh, I think if you're a coach, no matter what level, what you're doing, you got to have a plan every day. You have to have it on paper. Uh, you know, I have a template I use, uh, and, and I put every drill. Every drill's timed. We plan every minute. We don't want downtime. Uh, you know, that's something I get out to my assistants, but I try to do it by lunchtime every day so they can see where they're. And, you know, I've, I've been blessed in the last couple of years to have just some tremendous assistants. If I if I say post guard split on the practice plan, they know I'm taking the post. They know they better have dribble drive, uh, you know, drills for our kids, for our shooting stuff and our, our post guard split. Uh, so we plan every minute. Uh, it's, we put it on the clock. Our managers, you know, are running the clock. And I think the, one of the most vital things is when, once that clock goes off, it's time to move on. Uh, my philosophy, I put that down on the schedule. I put it a certain amount of time on it. At that point, I thought, you know, it was the next thing was just as valuable as it. So if even if we're not to where I think we should be, I, I think it's very important to move on. Uh, one of the biggest challenges for me in probably for the first 10 years of my career was utilizing my assistants. Uh, you know, I, I think that's something, you know, it's a control thing. Uh, you know, I think most coaches want it done a certain way. And they, a lot of times they think it, it needs to be their way. I think empowering your assistants and giving them freedom. And, and, you know, if you need to, you know, help them a little bit, advise them, they want that. They, you know, especially the guys I've had lately that, that want to be head coaches that are just extremely enthusiastic. They want to be involved. No assistant wants to stand on the sideline while you run every drill. I think it's so important to utilize those guys. Uh, we do a ton of skill work and shooting. I would say 60 to 70, 70% of our practice is skill work and shooting. Uh, one thing we've added in the last five years is we, we during our warm-up stuff, uh, during a lot of our shooting drills, we add music. We want, we want the kids to enjoy it. We, we want them to pick the music as long as it's, for the most part, clean. Uh, you know, my assistant runs, you know, runs that. As soon as we start, uh, uh, we explain a shooting drill or something, and then they're into it. We, we, we pump that music. It, it adds an enthusiasm. I think the kids really love it. Uh, no nonsense running in practice. I, you know, I play basketball my whole life. Nobody wants to get on the line and just run for no reason. Uh, we'll run for lack of effort, lack of focus. I'm not going to run a kid cause they missed a you know, free throw or missed a layup that doesn't help the situation. Uh, another thing, never more than two hours. I don't care if it's, you know, the first, first week of the season, uh, after you're done, I'm exhausted. Nothing productive is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> After Christmas, cut it back to about an hour and 15 minutes. Come tourney time, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, you know, and one thing, and I'll be honest with you, that for 15 years of my career, I didn't do it. it and, and coaches need to realize it's okay to take a day off. There's nothing better than a, than a Wednesday, you know, every couple of weeks or, you know, surprise the kids. You, you know, tell them on, on a Tuesday night game, hey, we take care of business tonight. We're off tomorrow. Uh, you know, kids, kids and coaches – 
uh, we'll, we'll appreciate that. I know as, as, as a coach with, with two kids and a, and a wife, they appreciate it. Uh, being able to do a Wednesday night dinner, you know, at, at, at six o'clock instead of eight o'clock uh, is very important. So don't be afraid to take a day off. You know, you, you want one, one hour, 15 minute practice isn't going to make or break your season. Yeah, I love that. And, and it's kind of an NBA term is load management, but I really, the last couple of years, really believe that. I mean, we have really cut back, particularly later on in the season, and we might do more of a fun activity than an actual practice. Is that what you believe in as well? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, t- tell the kids going bowling or doing something like that or even something in the gym, dodgeball, something something fun. You know, <laughs> basketball, basketball is a long you, – you're talking about two holidays wrapped in there. Basketball is a long season. Uh, and, and it, it wears on the kids and you, you got to sense that as a coach when, if, if effort and practice midway through the season, isn't where you need it, it, it the kids may be tired or, or mentally tired and, and need a day off. I know it, you know, the older I get, you know, the, the a day off for me is, is extremely beneficial also. Yeah. And you, yeah, you, what usually happens, Eric, is the kids come back when you reward them with that, they Energize. come back, they come back even strong for you. Right. Energized, energized, ready to practice. Uh, you know, I've had kids in the past that give them a day off. They still want to get their shots up, and I force them to go home. You know, every, <laughs> right. everybody's everybody's taking a day today. Everybody needs it. Go home. You know, do something. Do something else. Get away. You know, go to the lake. Go to the pool. Have some fun. Be a kid. You know, it. You know, I, I think it's taken me a long, long time in 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 coaching to realize basketball is really not the most important thing in my life. That, that's so true. And it's hard as we, you know, in programs and so forth, it's hard to it's the expectation so high. Exactly. I agree 100%. But at the end of the day, you know, I got, like I said, I got two kids and a wife and, you know, basketball is, is, is not, is not at the top of my list of priorities. Yeah, I totally agree with that coach. Um, hey, my last couple of questions, uh, continuing on with your practice here, are you a believer that you only have, a few drills that you do every day. I know it's more than a few, but, or are you a believer that you want to change up on your drills and activities throughout the season? No, you can't have just a few kids don't want to do the same thing every day. Uh, they, they, they want fresh stuff. You know, we're, uh, you know, me and my, I have had a great assistant last year and I've had a great assistance the last few years. Uh, we just want to create drills that mimic our style of play, you know, whether we're stealing them off fast model or steer them off, you know, the internet or all these great resources or recreate, recreate them ourself, you know, anything that mimics our style. Uh, but no, you got to have fresh stuff. Kids, kids want to see something different. They don't want to, you know, nobody wants to run three man weave every day. <laughs> For sure. I totally agree. Give us something that you really believe. Give us one or two drills. I have coaches listening from all over the place. Give us an Eric Herrick drill. What you guys do in your program that you really believe in. Uh, kids hate it. Uh, but I think it's very important to play one-on-one full court almost every day. And I'm talking not the full court. You're going the length of the court, but you got, you know, your, your boundaries or your lane lines and your sideline. Uh, especially if you're a pressing team, that's a, that's a running jump team. Uh, you know, we do one-on-one full court every day. Uh, the kids that aren't going at that time are counting turns. You know, it's our goal as a, as a defensive players to turn that offensive player as many times as we possibly can. So we can jump and we can trap. But I think it's also such a great skill builder to get kids to handle pressure. So not only are you working the defensive side of it, but you're also working the, the offensive side of it. And, and, you know, our kids get excited about it. You know, that ball hits the floor, you know, they get a deflection and they're diving on it. Everybody's cheering them on. And it's, you know, you, you, you know, so loud in our gym, our coaches are pumped up. Everybody's excited. And, uh, you know, really to see those kids getting after each other in that full court one-on-one, I think, is what, what is something I would call a, a me drill. And, and kind of give us, like, do you have a win or a loser there? I mean, like, if you don't, you know, if the defense gets a stop, you know, they get a point. How, how do you grade that drill? Uh, you know, we don't really put a consequence. Like we, we, you know, we let them play one-on-one to half court. And then once you get to half court, we kind of implement our, our – uh, our defensive philosophy of keeping the ball on one side and then they just okay. play out the possession and, you know, there's, you know, you get a score. Uh, if, if, if it's just a blow by layup or, you know, something where we think the effort's not good, you go back and do it again. Uh, and, and, and you go to, we, we, you know, we're satisfied with the effort. Most things we do have a, you know, 
we do have a competitive situation with, but, but that's not one we really, you know, calculate points on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's certain things, I guess you, um, I guess there are certain skills and drills depending on each program that you're just trying to, you're, you're really trying to work on technique and effort. Right. And you can't, there's some drills that you just can't compete in all the time. Right. You just can't put a number on it. You know, they're, uh, they, hopefully they're competing, you know, and they're, they're finishing with box outs and pursuing the possession. I think, you know, it's just a matter of uh, that's a, that's a win or lose thing. You either give up a bucket or you you get a stop. And, and, and that's kind of how we, uh, we calculate it. Another drill that we do almost, I would say, two to three times a week that our kids love is 11 man break. Are you familiar with that one? I am. Yes, sir. Uh, we add a little different, little different twist to it. The offensive team, as long as they keep getting, even if it's a made shot, if they pull it out of the net, they can keep playing and you stay in the half court until the defensive team gets a, gets a stop and a rebounding and transitions to the other side. So that's a little twist we added to it to kind of encourage our kids to, you know, pursue every ball and try to get offensive rebounds. And they, you know, they try to punish the other kids by staying down there for as long as they possibly can. Uh, and it's added a neat little twist to that drill for us. Yeah. I love that. Um, are you a, um, do you do most of your drills in transition or maybe it's 50, 50 half court drills because uh, we like to do a lot of transition drills because that's how we play. I would um, say it's probably 90-10 transition. Uh, okay. You know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that what, what happens most in a game, you know, is transition, offense and defense. We do a ton of, you know, defensive, you know, f- you know the delayed help type drills, the, you know, the five on four. Because if you're going to press, you're going to have some scramble situations. And your kids have to be able to get in those, you know, the scramble situations, maybe when you're three on five and, and, and you're, you're trying to just buy a couple, buy a couple seconds for those kids to recover. I think those are some of our most important drills, especially if you're a pressing team to create those disadvantages and, and work those disadvantages where your kids, it also forces your kids to communicate on defense. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's a great point. I, all the good coaches that I talk to, man, they're all doing disadvantage, advantage drills and so forth. So that's a common trend that works with all the great coaches like yourself. Hey, Coach, before you go, um, talk about some of the best coaching resources that you use. I know uh, a coach last time spoke to me about, I just interviewed him, uh, about the uh, uh, Practice Planner Live app, which is really good. It's really a great app that you can put all your practices on and so forth. What do you use other than huddle maybe that really helps you as a coach? Uh, other coaches. Let me tell you, if you're, if, you're, if you're a coach, young coach, old coach, it doesn't matter. Uh, Gene Durden's phone's always available. Uh, you, <laughs> know, sure. you know, that guy is, is – he gives more to the game and to young coaches and old coaches mm-hmm. and whoever wants – you know, that he, he, he's – you know, for some reason that, that, that sucker took a – interest in me as a young coach and opened his door and I'm sure he does it for everybody. And, uh, he's been an extremely valuable resource. Uh, I tell my wife all the time, you know, I'll ignore a hundred phone calls, but when, when it, when Gene Durden pops up on my phone, I run and answer it. Uh, <laughs> you know, fast model, fast model is another, you know, the play bank and fast model. Uh, I think a lot of people think fast models just for, you know, putting your playbook together, but the play bank and fast model is phenomenal. you got coaches contributing, you know, unbelievable content if you watch a college basketball game on a saturday night every play is going to be broke down every set play every out of bounds play is going to be broke down and you know on that but uh for me it's other coaches you know uh you know i love to pick up the phone and and talk to other coaches i love to coaching clinics you know i've my first you know 10 years of coaching I, i i went to you know, 10 or 12 clinics a year. And I still do, you know, and, and the great thing about coaching clinics, you'll see the greatest coaches in the world sitting there in the front row, taking notes, you know, they, they, there's, you know, great coaches constantly want to learn. I uh, love being in a coaching clinic. There's nothing better than, than, a, than a early October coaching clinic to get you excited for the season, get, get to, you know, be around like-minded people that have that same interest. Uh, you know, Seth Vining early on in my career, every time I went to a coaching clinic, this guy's won six state championships, eight state, I don't know, I'd, I'd lose count, but he was at every clinic in the front row mm-hmm. taking notes. And, uh, you know, stuff like that inspires me to see guys like that, that, you know, even though you're at the top of your profession, you still have a thirst and a hunger for, for knowledge and, 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 and try to, you know, just get a little tidbit here and there. So other coaches, fast model, you know, uh, relentlessly, you know, breaking down film on huddle. There's, you know, 
I, I get a lot of our set plays from watching other teams on that we play against, you know, mm-hmm. and, so and, and steal, you know, if there's something I see that's hard to guard, we're probably going to put it in. Yeah, I totally agree. And of course, Gene's a great friend of mine. I was on the phone with him the other day talking about travel ball and, you know, my kids playing travel ball and not with, you know, I mean, it's uh, he's always available to help coaches. He is one of the best resources we have here in the state. I totally agree with that. Um, coach, now we I run my clinic every year uh, in September. I got to get you to come out and speak at it. Man, I'd love to. You just you name the time. I'll be there. <laughs> Eric, man, I really appreciate you joining me, man. I know you're getting ready to go to the beach, man. So, uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, I mean, you're doing a great job. You're definitely a mentor to a lot of coaches in the state. Um, how can how can a coach get a hold of you? 770-547-4454. I'm available anytime. Coach, thank you so much. I wish you the best. And Dawson, I know you're going to have a great season, man. Hopefully everything goes well and we're, we have the ability to play. So I, I don't man. even know about that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to go to school every day if we can't, man. I, I, I love to coach basketball. I enjoy being around my kids. Uh, I don't know. My wife is going to go crazy if I get to come home at 2.30, 3 o'clock every day. <laughs> exactly right. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> All right, Eric, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to join me, man. Take care. All right, Kevin, anytime. Thanks, right. bud. Appreciate See ya. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Coaches, I, I hope you really enjoyed the podcast with Coach Eric Carrick, the new girls basketball coach at Dawson County High School. I know Eric um, is going to do a great job uh, building that program. He's going to add a lot of uh, just great techniques, great attitude, great mindset, great discipline. Uh, he's going to really build that program into a great one. And I, I got to tell you, he left me with some great ideas on practice planning, on his defensive system, his offensive system, his dribble drive. Um, so I really appreciate Eric joining us for the Championship Vision podcast. If you want to find further resources, go to thechampionshipvision.org. And I have some great resources on the website and it will continually grow as I add different resources. So thank you again for listening to the Championship Vision podcast.